So we'll go ahead and get started out of respect for your time. So if you've never met me before, my name is Blake Bagger. I'm the parish catechist here at St. Peter. I started last year. Um, we moved back to Nebraska. I grew up in Seward. was a product of CCD myself. I was not able to attend the Catholic school. I was old enough by the time they even implemented that. Uh, fun fact about our parish staff, virtually all of us, uh, other than our two assistants, are products of CCD too. So there's great things that can come out of CCD programs. I don't think I need to tell you this, but just um, there's no difference in the capability of what God can do in a young child's life when they come to know him. And that's the aim of our program, is that every student in our CCD program comes to encounter the Lord Jesus and then understands the call that he is inviting them to for the greatest mission they're ever going to take upon their life. To begin this evening, or afternoon, I want to play a quick game with you all. So we're just going to finish that quote. So I just have a few quotes here. If you go ahead and know the answer, shout it out. There's no raising hand. We don't have to be in a classroom setting. So go ahead and shout it out. Give me liberty or... Give me death. Yes, Patrick Henry. No taxation? Now you're all thinking this is going to be U.S. civics course. Don't worry, it's not. There's a reason why I've highlighted these quotes. No one has gotten this next quote fully. You'll show yourself a true Husker fan if you do. You know, if all the pollsters honestly think that Michigan... Anyone can finish this quote? Does anyone know who said this quote? Scott Frost. A week and a half, two weeks ago when I started these, I was much warmer on Scott Frost. Now I'm sure if I was putting this uh, uh, slideshow together, I don't know if I'd select this quote, but uh, he said back in 1998, you know, if all the pollsters think that Michigan could beat Nebraska, go ahead and vote Michigan by all means. But I don't think that there's anybody out there that with a clear conscience can say that Nebraska, and especially that Tom Osborne, that great man, doesn't deserve a national championship for this. I die the king's faithful servant. And can anyone finish this one? But God's first. I die the king's faithful servant, but God's first. St. Thomas More said this as he was martyred for the faith. If you know his story, I forget exactly which king it was, um, but he was basically one of the king's right-hand men in England. The king unlawfully married his wife, um, Think had a divorce and unlawfully married, and St. Thomas More, to his death, saw himself as a faithful, loving servant of the king, but was willing to suffer the ultimate price for the faith, not, not wavering from the truth of marriage and so he died the king's faithful servant because he was only trying to love the king but he was god's servant first which means he had to speak the truth all of these quotes at least in some form or fashion are kind of highlight a fight for freedom against oppression or injustice right no taxation without representation give me liberty or give me death the Huskers were oppressed by the pollsters. 
and they had to fight for their claim for a national championship. And then St. Thomas More is fighting against the injustice of what was done to him, but he was speaking for liberty and truth. And I think when we can encounter these quotes as Americans, there's something that stirs in our heart. That's why many of us knew, give me liberty or give me death, because it's at the core of what it means to be an American, right? We fight for freedom. We're about liberty. We're about fairness and justice for all. But there's something more fundamental to this push for Americans to feel this way than just because we're a democracy. Because at our founding, we're actually closer to what happened at Mount Sinai than what took place in Athens, Greece. America and its founding, the way that our government structure is set up, the way that we've come to view ourselves as a nation, we're closer to the understanding of what happened when God brought the chosen people, the Israelites, out of Egypt through the Exodus up to Mount Sinai to give them the law than we are to just individuals in Athens, Greece, saying it's best that we all work together in majority rules. Woven into our country is the concept of subsidiarity, which means we handle it at the lowest level. We have local government, state government, federal governments. There's checks and balances. And then also solidarity, the fact that we're all in this together out of many one. And those are two key components that have been woven into our faith that flows from what God did with the Israelites at Mount Sinai in the Exodus. This greatest freedom, first from freedom from Egyptian slavery, but then what Jesus did specifically on the cross, where he liberates us from death and sin forever and brings us into freedom of new life. So the first part of this meeting, I just want to walk through our parish theme, our parish vision, our strategic plan, and then how this affects our way of life as CCD families. So our theme this year is at the feet of Peter. We've probably heard that in the last couple of weeks with our stewardship renewal. And then maybe you've seen the posters, but you still don't know exactly what does it mean at the feet of Peter. How many of you have ever seen this document or seen just the fact that we have a strategic plan, we have a parish vision, and then stuff that flows after that. Go ahead and raise your hand if you've seen this before. Don't worry if you haven't. Anyone? No, great. Okay, so this is a perfect time that we're gonna talk about our strategic plan. So in 2001, a group was gathered and formed a strategic plan for the parish. They identified the vision for the parish is that together, all of us will abide in Christ and build his kingdom. So that's the ultimate aim. At the end of the day, this is what we want to see. All individuals in the parish abiding in Christ and working to build his kingdom. From that vision flows our mission, which is to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ to make disciples by participating in his ministry as priest, prophet, and king. So it's not just enough to live our faith ourselves. Flowing from that, we have to go out and make disciples. We follow the commandment of Jesus at the ascension. Go forth and preach the good news to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So what we've 
laid forward as our ultimate vision and end, and then our mission doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Lord Jesus himself. But we do apply it to our specific circumstances here in South Lincoln. And so we have seven principles that are going to guide us, seven cultural norms that help us understand what we value and then how we live our life. So the first one, and I'm not going to read through all this, we exhibit holiness. We're devoted to the Sunday Eucharist, the sacraments. We especially look towards the Blessed Virgin Mary as our model in life. We incorporate beauty into the sacred liturgy in our sacred space. Hopefully we have an eye for our campus to make it look beautiful. We practice evangelization through the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Then we pursue truth, and that's what we're specifically about right here as CCD families. We're pursuing truth through intellectual and spiritual formation, guided by scripture, tradition, and then the magisterium. We celebrate all human life from conception to natural death and defend the dignity of the vulnerable. We cultivate unity. So unity between all of our families that have children, CCD, school, homeschool, CCD, school and homeschool. And then with the parish in general. So we all see ourselves as brothers and sisters as part of one larger family. But then our parish boundaries don't just, aren't just confined to this campus space. Like we extend out to the parish boundaries and then from there, we're united. And we work with our other parishes in Lincoln. And we work with our city. We work with our civic governments. We're about unity. And then we're generous stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. When we live these cultural norms, we're going to see that we're going to have defining characteristics of our way of life. And so just as the earliest followers of the Lord Jesus that had come to know him, had been taught by him, and then taught others into individuals how to live this way of life. To be disciples of Christ means we're going to be devoted to the teaching of the apostles. We're going to be devoted to fellowship with one another. Breaking of the bread, which means the Sunday Eucharist, so whether it's the Saturday vigil or Mass on Sunday. And then we're going to be devoted to having a life of union with God through prayer. So that's our strategic plan. From that, each year we kind of adopt a theme that's going to help us live into the strategic plan. And this year, it's at the feet of Peter. So at the feet of Peter comes specifically from the fourth chapter in the Acts of the Apostles. There's a line in there where, just kind of recapping, all the early believers sold their houses all their property, everything that they had, and then came and laid it at the apostles' feet. So if you go to Scripture and you're like, what does Acts 4.35 say? It says, they laid it at the feet of the apostles. Well, Peter's chief of the apostles were St. Peter, so we've kind of co-opted that phrase. But they did this radical act. How many of us are ready to sell all that we have and come and bring it to Father Clark and be like, here, it's at your disposal, right? Don't worry, that's not necessarily what this scripture passage is advocating for us for. But for that specific circumstance, it was exactly what called for. 
as well as what flowed naturally from their hearts. And so why we might not be in this moment be asked to sell all that we have, we can give this com- same complete gift of self that the apostles gave. That invitation's ever new for all Christian believers. To give completely of yourself and lay it at the apostles' feet, which is the church, so that no one can be needy. That's the next following verses. They sold everything they had, laid it at the apostles' feet. No one among them was needy. Everyone shared everything. And it's still a radical move. But I'd argue, and I just want to read from Scripture, that this was the effect that precipitated from a cause. And that cause was being filled with the Holy Spirit. So to set the scene, in the third chapter of Acts, Peter and John are arrested. They healed a lame man on the Sabbath in the temple. And the Jewish leader said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that. You're doing a work on a Sunday. And they have a back and forth. And ultimately, Peter and John say, hey, we have to do the Lord's work. And they're arrested. And then in the early parts of the fourth chapter of Acts, there's more dialogue. But from that dialogue, they realize they're untouchable. Life has changed. They have no worries to be, no reason to be worried of the Jewish leaders, of the Roman government, because life has changed. They've been given a new hope and a new life. Ultimately, they know that their death might come, but that's not the end of the story. So then they're released from prison. They go back and tell all their friends. They're like, hey, this is what happened. And you might not see it, but we're living in this new life, and you are too. And they pray. And this is the cause, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So just listen. When Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And they prayed, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the company of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said any of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not anyone needy among them, for as many were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to each as any had need. Did you hear it? Do you see it? They were relayed the news. They prayed. The room was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You go and read Acts of the Apostles. From that moment, the community changed. Before, it was just 12 individuals and some other close friends. But it's not like they were ready to go out to the world. 
Pentecost happened, but the Holy Spirit continued to deepen this renewal in them. But from that moment on, the world was changed. Not just those believers, not just Jerusalem. They went out. They spoke the word with boldness. New signs, new healings, new wonders were performed. And individuals were won over for our Lord Jesus Christ. That prayer that they made can still be made today. And that's my invitation to all of us. That wherever you're at, maybe religion's not high up on your priority list. And you're really just here because this is what you should be doing. You should be sending your child to CCD. Maybe you've had mom or dad, their grandma or grandpa in your ear. Hey, you need to be sending them CCD. Or maybe you're totally on fire. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, as our charismatic friends would say. And this is your soul life's purpose. Right now, both of those are okay. Because the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. So in the silence that follows this evening, after kids go to bed, I just want you to pray to be open to the Holy Spirit, wherever you're at. So that when we gather together as CCD families, when we gather at Mass right up in the church above us, the room will shake. And that we can also go forward and speak the word with boldness. Who doesn't want new miracles, new healings, and new signs? Because this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. We call ourselves a stewardship parish. And stewardship is just a fancy way of living a particular way of life that's given to us by the Lord Jesus. It begins with Jesus' call. In the Gospel of Mark, the Lord's first words are repent and believe in the Gospel. He comes on the scene and he says, repent and believe in the gospel. If we went down to Walmart right now and we said to any individual we encounter, maybe we pull 100, we're going to play family feud with them. And we said, what does the word repent mean to you? What kind of responses would we get? Or maybe, what do you think of when you hear the word repent? Maybe it's a word that's not all too common in our lexicon. Often though, When we hear the word repent, and you hear it in the context, you've screwed up, you've made a mistake, you've gotten in trouble, you better repent. Maybe follow up, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it. Oftentimes, today, repentance and the word repent is associated with harsh judgment. Someone pointing the finger at you. Hey, you've screwed up, you better change your ways. But when Jesus comes on the scene... When he issues the word repent, it's an invitation. The Greek word metanoia literally means, hey, you're going that direction. Come do an about face, do a 180, and follow me this direction. So if you've ever seen The Chosen, the series, the opening scene perfectly illustrates this concept. The opening, starts, opening scene starts with some music, and there's all fish swimming in one direction. They're all gray fish. After some time, this teal fish comes on the screen, and he's going the opposite direction. And as the opening scene continues, more fish turn from gray fish to that teal fish and begin following the other direction. 
By the end of the opening credits or the opening scene, you have a whole bunch of fish that have been transformed and they're all swimming in the same direction. So when Jesus comes on the scene, this is his call. Come follow me. The time is now. Everything that you've ever been waiting for is being fulfilled. Turn around and follow me, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity, our life here at St. Peter Catholic Church, is more than just a like-minded association of individuals. We're all followers of the way of Jesus Christ. You may have more or less success if we're just going to get together and root for the Broncos. Some years are going to be great. Some years, I can tell you, are going to be awful. But that's not what our life is about here because we follow this invitation from Jesus and he's the one that makes our community. This call to follow after him is the bond that brings us together. And it didn't stop with him. Right? He grabbed 12 individuals, spent three years with them, and trained them, and then sent them forward. That's what apostle means, to be sent forward. And they go out with that same mission. And it's not just for only the people they select. It's for everybody. There's a universal salvation. How many of us are Jewish? None of us. We probably all come from Gentile origin. So Jesus comes not just for the Jews the fulfillment of Israel. He comes for the fulfillment of all the world. The call that is preached is the same call that he issued in the Gospel of Mark. Repent and believe in the Gospel. If we go and look at the Synoptic Gospels, when Jesus sends out the apostles, he goes and tells them, go and preach repentance and that the kingdom of God is at hand. And how does he send them out? Does anyone remember? When he sends out the apostles two by two, what do they have with them? Great. Silence is great because they sent out, got sent out with nothing. He said, take no extra tunic. Take no money. Take no bread. Don't take an extra pair of sandals. Because woven into the proclamation of the gospel is this concept of reciprocity as well as complete reliance on God. The call cannot be imposed, is proposed, and if a community wants to receive what the apostles had to offer, this new way of life, then the community had to provide for those needs. Because if they went to Jericho, and Jericho didn't want to receive the apostles, what would happen to them? Would they be well-fed? No. Would they be stinky? Yeah. They have no extra change of clothes. They have no place to stay. They're going to be homeless. So that's why Jesus says, when he sends them out, if they're not going to receive you, shake off the dust from your feet and go on to another community. You're not going to impose this. But when you come to a community that is going to receive the message which you are being sent forward to, stay there as long as you can. Teach them. Share them the good news. And that community is going to recognize what has been offered to them, and they're going to provide for the needs of the gospel. So our way of life as a stewardship parish, there's a reception of the call. Each one of us is invited, knowing the needs of the gospel, 
that we have to have responsibility for that. If we want our programs here at St. Peter, if we want to have a parish, because there's no guarantee, the bishop doesn't guarantee that this parish will stay here forever. If we all said, you know, I don't want to give up my time, talent, and treasure, and there was no money coming into the church, there was no upkeep, no ministries, then Bishop Conley could say, that's great. All of you here in St. Peter Parish Boundaries, you're just going to go over to Blessed Sacrament, maybe Cathedral and St. Michael, and you won't have your local parish. We have to be responsible for what God has given us. We're about our communal life because we're not just getting together because we like to have a nice church. We're getting together because the Lord Jesus has invited us to encounter him in our daily lives. We're then faithful to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship with one another, the Sunday Mass, and then our life of prayer. So what's this mean? When we hear Jesus' call, we're intentional disciples. We're not complacent. We continue each day with ourselves and in our families to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ as disciples. We're always striving to be and learn more as disciples, grow closer to him. We're consistent, we're faithful to the Sunday Mass, the day with which we could not be. And then we're involved in the life of the parish. We give up our time, talents, and treasures. This is an invitation to be creative. We're all been given unique gifts. There's something that you might possibly be able to offer to the parish and to your fellow parishioners that no one's even thought of yet. Each and every single one of us has unique gifts. And so you can be creative. You don't have to think in the box. It's good to create waves sometimes in parish. If you're like, this is a need and the Lord's inviting me to lead this ministry or to bring other peoples into this mission that he has given me. We tithe. We set a goal to give 10% of all that we have of our treasure specifically five to the parish and then five to other charities. And if we're not there yet, if we're strapped, we look at what's most sacrificial. We're all called to give equal sacrificial gifts, but that doesn't mean we all have to give equal gifts. And then our fees do not equal what we have for tithing. If we wanted to approach our faith just kind of as consumers. So I approach when it's convenient for me. If you factor in all the costs to keep a parish up and running. So we need a church. We need some priests. We probably need someone maybe like me if we don't have volunteer teachers to help form all the children. You need a janitor. When you factor in all the costs, the liability, the insurance, just to make sure that whenever we wanted to pop in and grab our sacrament, when it's convenient for us, on a per capita basis, this is what it would cost for some of the sacraments. Anytime we wanted a child baptized, it would be $3,400. 
Anytime we wanted one of our children confirmed, it would be $2,800, so $2,800. Anytime we wanted to go to confession, if we just wanted to approach it as a consumer, pull out your Andrew Jackson, give the priest a $20 bill, and that's how much it would cost. Anytime anyone wanted to get married, you're talking almost $24,000. If we want to approach it, which is kind of a state when you do per capita of how many marriages we're currently having. So less people getting married, more cost drives up that price. And then anytime that we wanted to attend mass, we'd all be paying $250 to attend Sunday mass. That's if we live life where we have no consistent commitment to providing for the needs of the gospel. You can see just how drastic it is in our day if we approach the faith as consumers. So it's an invitation for us all to be committed to the stewardship way of life because together we can do more. Our program vision is that our students are going to encounter Jesus Christ through the beauty of worship, the arts, the senses, the goodness and witness of their love, the teacher, uh, the love of their teachers. And then the truths of life found in sacred scripture, tradition, and then our classroom resources. And then this is probably my greatest joy, is that our teachers, our volunteers, and our program administrators are going to work with all of you to help support you as you are the primary educators of the faith for your children. That you're modeling, sharing, and teaching the love of God in your home. A lot of my colleagues that I've been around, because I'll tell you, there's great joys with running a CCE program, but there's also a lot to coordinate. And sometimes it can get an, a little overwhelming. But it's all worth it. A lot of them will say, oh my gosh, parents are not doing their job being the primary educators of the faith. If they were doing their job, our jobs would be easier. That's a horrible way to look at what we're about here as a CCD program. Our job is just to help you. Some of you may not be the most knowledgeable in our Catholic faith. And so we have volunteers to help teach, to work with you. But one thing that you all can do better than any of us that come and help here in our program is that at home, you're going to be the best at modeling the love of God you're going to be the best at sharing that love within your family. And then you're going to be the best at teaching what it means to be a Christian by your faithful witness in home, at the store, in the course of your daily lives. That's something that maybe I can be a little bit of a witness, a good role model to our students here. But your role, you can do that better than any of us here in the CCD classroom. And it's such a joy to be able to work with you. So in order that we abide in Christ and build his kingdom, this is what we're about. As we're docile to the Holy Spirit and we cooperate with his work, here's our behavioral norms, which we hope to see. That together we're going to be nourished by the Sunday Eucharist. We're going to be faithful to it. We're going to be formed in prayer. Our students are going to be formed in prayer so that they can know Jesus and Scripture. 
and then they can learn how to listen and then respond to his call. That they're going to know the place in God's great story that he has for their life. The narrative out there that they're peddled by the secular world is get good grades in school so that you can get into a good college. You get into a good college so that you can get a good job. You get into a good job so that hopefully you can earn a lot of money, maybe be rich and famous, maybe have a lot of power, maybe a lot of prestige, and that's going to lead to a happy life. But as we know, money, fame, hap- or power, prestige, all those things, popularity, are great for a while, but they don't fill the desires of our hearts. Our modern world, with its materialism, that's the operating narrative out there. God has such a greater story for each and every single one of us. And so our CCE program hopes to incorporate students into the true narrative in the way of the world. And then that we're all going to respond to the needs of the gospel. And then that we're going to prioritize faith formation for our young children. All the way from first grade to high school. And then for all of us for adult life. This is my expressed goal, and I don't mean to condemn anyone if you're choosing elsewhere. You know, I understand there's a lot of activities going on right now. But there is a huge drop-off from fifth grade to sixth grade in CCD. just want to bring light to it because it's one of my goals to stop that drop-off. There's so many students that have been through our CCD program that once... CCD ends, they're confirmed in fifth grade, they never have any more meaningful faith formation for the rest of their life. Think about yourselves. Maybe you've encountered that. Where, Yeah, once I stopped attending CCD, I really stopped learning about my faith. Religion, our faith became relegated to going to Mass one Sunday a week, and that's it. We have great programs here. I really encourage, if you are inspired to develop your faith too, to look into the Emmaus Institute. Their parishioners here, they have wonderful programs. We even have assistance, like for parishioners who really want to go and that can't afford any of their classes. We're faithful to the teaching of the apostles. And so I just want to invite any families with middle schoolers to revisit sending their young children or their middle schoolers, not young children, to continue on after fifth grade as well as send them to CCD. It's not a classroom experience. It's more of a youth group feel. I see some individuals in here that have children in there. I think they'd say generally it's an enjoyable experience. You don't have to pull teeth to get them to come here once they've experienced the opportunity to come to middle school CCD. But that we need to prioritize that faith formation. When we put the big rocks in first, Sunday Mass, making sure that we're being faithful to CCD, then we can fit in all the other smaller pebbles. If you've ever seen that a demonstration with a jar, you have all these materials. How do you fit them all into the jar? Well, you got to put the big rocks first. 
And so this is one thing that I'm going to be pestering about. Normally, I'm not a big pester. I want to be a big pester. But I just ask you and invite you that everyone complete their stewardship renewal if you have not done so. Yes, it's kind of a check the box. We do it every single year. We're asking you to fill it out again. But we're body-soul composites, and it helps to write down our goals, where we're heading in life. All of us kind of know this. And so we just do this every single year to revisit what the Lord's inviting us to. Even if you have to take a step back in this season of life, if you're experiencing craziness, go ahead and complete it. What you're doing there is you're just pledging to the Lord, hey, this is where I'm at. I want to be faithful to you. But it's also a great opportunity to explore what the Lord's inviting you to. So if you haven't returned that yet, please do so. This is one thing that I will be a pester for everybody. When we get the returns and we see who has and who has not, and don't worry, I think Father Dewar said this over the weekend, it's not like I sit here and evaluate and judge you, oh, they're only doing this. I don't even look at this. I find out just who has and who has not completed this commitment card. Over the course of the year, I'm just going to simply invite you. Hey, have you returned this? Would you please return this? Would you please return this? One of the other big changes that flows from this stewardship way of life is the CCD envelopes. So all of our students, second through fifth grade, are going to be issued these envelopes up here. And I want you to think maybe of your own children's experience when they've had the opportunity to drop money into the basket. Maybe you've given them money themselves or a grandparent. And then hopefully, and it's been my experience, the great smile that has come across their face as they've been able to drop money into the offertory collection. There's something deep in the hearts, the way the Lord has made us, that says we want to give back. And so these envelopes are just an opportunity for our students who are preparing for this deep encounter, this new encounter with the Lord through the sacraments, to just live this way of life. And these envelopes are going to do three things. One, it's going to show them that they can also contribute. It's not just an adult thing. At the offertory, when the gifts are brought forward, we bring forward maybe money. We don't actually do that here. It's collected but maybe you've been in a parish where they bring whole, forward the whole collection to the altar and it's set up there in the altar. We bring, forward, bring, we bring forward bread, we bring forward wine. These gifts are then transformed into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we stop and think, what does it take to get the bread to the altar? What do we all need? We need a seed of wheat. We need a grain of wheat. We need some good soil to plant it in. We need the sun. We need bountiful rain. Once it starts growing, we probably need a farmer to look after the field. We need some farmers to harvest the wheat. We then need people to process the wheat, get it to wherever the communion host is made and people to ship it here to us. That piece of bread 
is more than just a piece of bread. In a sacramental way, all of creation has been involved with getting that bread to the altar. At the heart of the Mass is ushering all of creation back to God the Father. All of us, through the priest who is Jesus Christ, giving this great offering back to God the Father, we all have something to contribute. So the gifts or the envelopes are just one way to teach our children, hey, this is not just an adult thing. You can contribute too. And then the second point is that you have something unique to contribute. So you're going to have an opportunity to give your own gift. Sure, someone else might give a quarter that week, but that's not their quarter that you're giving. That's your quarter. You have specific prayers to be offered on the altar, and those are your prayers. And then the last thing they're going to help us to accomplish is just we've all, in bringing forward our children to be prepared for the sacraments, we've all expressed this great desire that we want them to encounter the Lord Jesus. That demands that we're faithful to the Lord's teaching, that we're participating in the Sunday Eucharist, that we're living this way of life. And so it is going to be one way that we're going to hold all each other accountable um, to that expressed desire of receiving the sacraments. And so we'll use it to look at broad stroke mass attendance. It's not going to be a gotcha to say, like, you missed one week, you're out. It's just a way for Father Clark and I to be pastoral, to say, if there's anything in your Christian life that is missing, and most important of that is keeping faithful to the Lord's Day, we want to help you make that your way of life. So it's not a gotcha. We're not trying to bar anyone from the sacraments, but it's an invitation to take our faith seriously. So those are the three things. Teach your children that they have something to contribute, that it's a unique contribute, but then also that the Lord asks of us. And it doesn't make sense. We'll just take communion, for example. If the Lord says, do this in remembrance of me, holy communion means union with. Well, if you're not actually following the Lord's teaching, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, then you're not really in union with with him. And so there's cognitive dissonance that arises if we say, it actually doesn't matter if we miss on Sunday, but we're still going to receive Holy Communion the next week. Or we never go to church, but when we do, we receive Holy Communion. The practicalities of this, and we can have any conversations if you have any really concerns. Again, I'm not looking to catch you on one week. It's just an invitation to hear the Lord's call anew. And looking at broad patterns. So if it's like you haven't been here for a month, I give you a phone call. It's like, hey, we've been missing you. And, you know, there's extenuating circumstances. We've been out of town or we travel a lot. Then we enter into the conversation. The envelopes, they don't have to have money in them. They can be prayers. They can be a drawing. You can get creative or simply if you just want to drop the envelope back in, it's an invitation to do whatever you want with it. It can be money, it can be prayers, it can be drawing, get creative w with what's placed in the envelope. Thank you for walking through the strategic plan, our year's theme with me. I know that's a lot more than probably you were expecting, but it's so important for us to create this common way of life.
to have all of us with this common understanding of what we're about here, what's expected of CCD families, so that we're not just an association of like-minded individuals who happen to enroll their children here. We all have each other's back. We're all helping each other grow and encounter the Lord Jesus. So now we're getting into some of the more nitty-gritty specifics, um, just some logistics. So we've already kind of started, but uh, grades one through five are going to meet every Wednesday from 4.15 to 5.30 p.m. And then grades six through eight meet in St. Paul outside the walls from 6.45 to 8 p.m. If you've looked at the CCD calendar, I'm not gonna go point by point. It's maybe a little bit different looking than um, it has in the past, but it's kind of laid out like an academic calendar. Anytime you see a blue, it's gonna key you, hey, go look over at the events. There's something special happening that day. Most of these events are gonna actually occur within the context of CCD. So anytime we have CCD confessions, and the one I didn't mark, if you want to make a note, um, March 29th, it's blue. There's no code over there. Sorry on my clerical error, but we're just going to have CCD confessions that night. So it has, it's not going to affect your schedule. Just bring your children to the elementary program, and they're going to go to um, confessions that afternoon for CCD. Anytime there's green, we have class. Anytime there's red, we won't have class. Anytime there's something yellow that clues you in to, there's something pertaining to sacrament preparation that's gonna be taking place. So that includes first communion and confirmation prep. First up is the confirmation retreat day. It's on a Friday. I've gotten questions um, like, why is it on a Friday? Um, so if anyone's had that question, I understand it's a big ask. You're pulling your um, students preparing for confirmation out of school. One reason we've decided is because the kids actually like getting out of school. It's nice to get out, get away. The day is not boring. They might think it's gonna be boring, but I promise it's gonna be good. Um, but it's so important that we take a break from our normal day of life to go somewhere holy. So this year, in past years, we've done confirmation retreat here. We're gonna go off-site. We're gonna go on a field trip. We're gonna go encounter the Lord in a special time in a special place. That's what a pilgrimage is. So we're gonna take them on a little mini pilgrimage. It'll be from like 8.15, we'll start the day with mass here and we'll be home by four o'clock. Uh, next up then on confirmation or for sacrament prep, just know First Communion's February 4th at 10 a.m. First Communion retreats the day before same kind of concept, get children out of school. It is going to be here on March 24th. First communion follows the next day at 9.30 a.m., March 25th. We're going to revisit confirmation is where we perfect baptism, so it's important that we have this special preparation um, as well as a practice right before it. So on April 12th, there'll be practice that day starting at 1.30, then we'll conclude when you pick up um, all your other children from CCD, if you have any extra ones, and then confirmations the following evening at 7 p.m. Uh, the last thing with our calendar is uh, the purple. 
That's when we have class masses. So in the past, we've taken all the classes during CCD. Starting next week, there will be no like specific need to have CCD mass. Mass will be at 5.30 because we're gonna be introducing a regular daily mass time at 5.30 p.m. here for the parish. So daily mass will be 6.30, 8.15, and 5.30. So what we're gonna do during those days is we won't come to CCD. Your children will have the opportunity to sit with their classes and have a class mass, but it'll be in the context of just the normally offered mass. So those two dates, December 7th, that's the vigil for the Immaculate Conception, which is a holy day on December 8th, the following day. And then on Ash Wednesday, which is February 22nd. So those are the two things. No class that day. All you have to do is bring your children to mass at 5.30. But the great thing for you is like, hey, if 5.30 doesn't work, especially on Immaculate Conception, either go that night somewhere else, go here at the parish the following day, just go and fulfill your holy day of obligation. And then Ash Wednesday, the same invitation. If it's gonna work better for your family to attend somewhere else, that's okay. But if you want the experience of your children to sit together with their class, classmates, that's what we're going to do those days. Throughout the year, we're going to be sending uh, communications through Flocknote. It allows us to text and email. Email is probably going to be the primary mode of conversation, but if there's any important communications that we need to get out, we'll send you a text message. Um, by the nature of enrolling in CCD, I'm already enrolling you into the group. So don't worry about enrolling, but you are invited. Um, our ministries are gonna be using this if you're interested in receiving communications in any other forms or for any other reason from the parish. You can actually go and sign up and then you can select from the open groups. Um, we'll kind of be relaunching this. We did a soft launch in the spring. For attendance, um, weekly attendance is expected. There's a base level of 80%, especially for students preparing for sacraments, um, whether it's First Communion or Confirmation. I know I'm giving you maybe new rules that you haven't heard of. This is a diocesan policy, so we're just following, following what the bishop asks of us. Um, you know, there's things that come up, and especially last year with coronavirus, like things were just out of whack. So attendance tells a story you know if there has to be a greater story that's told like don't worry 80 percent it'll be a conversation that we're having but it is important that your children are here this is the most important thing that i want to tell you about attendance don't call the ccd office anymore no one's in there now i don't think or maybe hannah is i don't know oftentimes no one was in there call or text me my number is 402 641-3872. So if your children are ever going to miss CCD, you're not going to bother me. Call or text me on Wednesdays and just say, hey, we're not going to make it this week. That's going to be the best way that I can relay the information to the teachers. As well as it's an invitation if you ever need anything. If it's something more time sensitive and it's like 10 o'clock at night, know that I'm probably sleeping and maybe send me an email. I'll get to it in the morning. As well as Know that I'm reachable by my phone, but I'm not glued to my phone. Sometimes I get a text message and I lose sight of it. So if it's something really important, 
know that. I use email to like flag things, keep ahead of to-dos. But if you need anything, please call me. I want to be here for you. I want to be uh, attentive to your needs, to your concerns. So it's an open invitation. Even if you want to call me uh, for the most random thing or the most dire matter, go ahead. You have my number. Don't feel like you can't get a hold of me. If we ever have bad weather, a crazy wind day like we had last year, I never thought we were going to have a wind day. Um, no, if LPS ever cancels or St. Peter cancels on Wednesdays, we're going to call off CCD. If there's ever any confusion and they're not calling off, we'll let you know by noon. I don't remember if there's cone sets out this afternoon, but there's not going to be any cones. Um, generally, we have the same traffic flow. Parking lot could be a little crazy, so just have eyes and ears open. Um, we're not going to have any steady traffic flow here for CCD. When you drop off students, the first and second grade entrance, as you're walking up, that offshoot that comes out from the school building, there's like a stairwell going down. That's their entrance, so you, teachers will be sent, or standing there. Third through fifth grade, enter through the main school doors. Sometimes the fifth grade bounces around. Seems like the fifth graders are pretty adaptable, so they'll learn whether they're down at the playground or in the church. Um, so just know that sometimes they're maybe gonna be somewhere else, but generally those classrooms all enter through the third through fifth grade entrance. Any student that's coming in late in grades one through five, come to the main school doors. There's a little black box with a button on there. We have individuals in the after school program, just have them hit the button, ask can I get in, and then they should know where their classroom are. Otherwise, we have Tara, our awesome like program saver that's walking the halls and can help them get to where they need to be. Uh, and then for middle school, tonight we'll start out in the courtyard. It's gonna be a nice night. But then there's that south wing of the church. Send them into the doors, have them enter St. Paul outside the walls. It's the old music room. Uh, in the ministry catalog, there's actually a great article on why we call it St. Paul outside the walls. I invite you to read it. Um, that's where my office is located. But if you ever do need someone, like let's say you need to pick somebody up, if you go in the school entrance and then take a left, you'll see some stairs. You go down the stairs and then you take a left into this open area. You go down the hallway, again, taking another left. Basically, you're gonna walk into the CCD office, the Religion Center. There's a good chance someone's gonna be in there and will be able to help you if you ever need to come into the building. So that's there. If anyone needs to see where that's at after the meetings released, you can go ahead um, and we can walk down there so you can see that. But just wanted to point that out. So that was a lot. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, one of the coolest experiences that I've had so far, I just say this because I want to, want to let you know that I pray for you all. I pray for our families. Was when we had that wind day Instead of going home early when the storm hit, I was in the church praying before the Blessed Sacrament for all of our CCD students. I was like, 
Well, I'm planning on being here anyways. There's a chance some families might show up. So I'm just gonna go forward and pray. So just know, be assured that you're in my prayers. Um, if you ever need anything, please reach out. Um, but if anyone has any questions from the group or for the group, go ahead and ask them. Um, or if you have any questions for me that you need to ask more one-on-one, -on -one, I'll be here. If you have children preparing for the sacraments, come find your envelopes. And then there's a letter that's probably been communicated from either Sister Mary Claire, who teaches fifth grade, or Sister Fiat Marie, who teaches our first communion class on what's being asked of you this year. There'll be more follow-up in time to come. So thank you all and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this great content from St. Peter Catholic Church. For more content, for other talks, for more information, please visit St. Peter Catholic Church, Lincoln, Nebraska on Apple iTunes or on Podbean and our parish website, stpeterlincoln.com. God bless you.